Welcome to the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. My name is Sam Clements, and this is the podcast that celebrates films with a 90 minute or less runtime. In each episode, a guest will select a film and join me to add to our ongoing fictional film festival. This is a special show to celebrate our 100th episode. And we are marking the occasion in the most fitting way we could possibly think of by recording this intro under a duvet in our bedroom and hosting a special live show at the cinema. The following recording was made at Picturehouse Central in London's glitzy West End. We screened The Lonely Island's 2016 comedy pop star Never Stop Never Stopping 87 minutes to a sold out audience and were joined by returning podcast Ali Plum, BBC Radio 1 and 1 Extras film critic, host of BBC Screen Time podcast and YouTube series Movies with Ali Plum. Without further ado, let's go back to the cinema live on stage with Ali Plum! Wow! <laughs> when it's read out like that, you realise what a terrible title that is. <laughs> Movies with Ali Plum, what's that about? Interviews with some bloke you don't know. They're, they're, they're very good interviews. They're very good. Even better when they're whispered. Ali, thank you for joining us here Thursday night, Picturehouse Central. We've just seen pop star Never Stop Never Stopping on the big screen. A joy. My first time. I think you've seen it a few times more. I think this is my fourth on the big screen. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, actually, it's the fifth. I saw it at a press screening in 2016 when the world was young. And I loved it. I was absolutely obsessed. I remember going on to Radio 1. I was on Greg's show. And I, I just said, look, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. But I started rapping some of the lyrics from I'm So Humble. <laughs> because I just loved a movie where Crumble was in a rap. And that's all I needed. I, I already had earned its five stars by that point, And that's in the first <laughs> 10 minutes. So, yeah, this was the second film I think I ever gave five stars to. And I think it's testament to the power of film criticism that the movie that I gave five stars to Bomb! <laughs> oh, box office! What? Uh, yeah, no, it, it really didn't do well at all, which is absolutely crackers. Thank you. Ooh, uh, Louise, Louise. My Louise, secret Louise, ingredient. Louise. Here's the horse drawings. What this is is an incredible kink that these guys share, and the movie has tied into it perfectly. <laughs> so that's a real bit of luck. But yeah, no, I absolutely love this movie. I saw it again in the cinema. Empty. No one there. I was just, it was me and my wife. No one there. And then I saw it again at the PCC, and then I saw it again at the PCC, and now I've seen it again. So thank you. For only that, thank you. This was such a treat. Who else loved it? Loved it. And I also, and this is great because this is an audio podcast, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my clothes off, all right? Because I've seen we have some fellow donkey rollers in the building. Who else is wearing this sweater? It's very difficult to buy in the UK now due to shipping... But I now have not only this, but underneath the Star Boys t-shirt as well. I mean business. I don't just casually like this film. I love it. I said this to you before, Sam. The other movie I gave five stars to before this one was Zootropolis. So it's on that level. That's how good this film is. That's a, that's a double bill. And you know what? You're a style boy for life. For life. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm obsessed with this movie. Are you guys aware of what's on the Steelbook cover of this film? <laughs> 
You can't get this steelbook cover in the UK. I own it. It's incredible. It is a beautifully rendered sort of fake painting of Connor with his flamethrower roasting the queen bee. <laughs> now, anyone who's pressed play on this podcast and has reached this point is pretty confused. And that's fine. Go and watch it. Truly take a moment, go and watch it because that gag is so good. Are you aware where that gag's from? I'm not. So has anyone else watched The Jinx? It's this oh. HBO documentary. Uh, yes, big yeses at the back. Where they catch him, for a better term, I'm sure there is a better term, because they turn the, the camera off but leave the sound on. And he says some stuff. <laughs> and so they extrapolated that idea. What if a sort of Justin Bieber-style music doc had a catch, but it evolved as Lonely Island stuff does into what if a giant swarm of bees attacked you <laughs> halfway through an emotional realization that your album had tanked? So, yeah, go get that steelbook. Ship it. It's worth the shipping charge. That's an incredible thought. Um, when we were booking the film for the screening, just to talk about the box office, the distributor forgot they had the rights. Oh. <laughs> they sent us to somebody else who said, nope, not us. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so sad. Uh, but we've just bumped the box office by filling this room up. So, you may you know, have doubled we're doing it. a good thing. We may have doubled it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed with this movie. And I think, I think during lockdown, I got asked a lot. I've never felt more popular during lockdown. Constantly people going, what do I watch? What do I watch? What do I watch? And I could just sling stuff at them they would never otherwise see. And when Popstar landed on, other streaming services are available. Amazon Prime Video. Oh, it was like giving out free candy. Or free cocaine to your kitten. It was just great. I just shoved it in people's faces going, this is going to change your life. Oh, it's such a good movie. It makes sense for it to be our 100th episode. Uh, but Ali, you were on the podcast way back in episode 10, 2019, before the pandemic. Yeah. You were but a glint in the Lonely Island side. that didn't go anywhere. I felt <laughs> so pleased that I got to snatch the naked gun before anyone else. Before anyone else got there first, I... Got the Naked Gun, and again, News Just In, a fantastic movie. But I think this film has a similar gag rate to that, and that is no mean feat. This is a taut, tight, stuffed under 90 minutes. Oh, it's so good. And there are even more jokes I'm only seeing and registering for the first time now. Is everyone else feeling that? Can anyone make a suggestion as to a joke they didn't clock the last time that they noticed this time? Got a hand up at the back? Shout it out. Yeah, with a mask. Matthew Modine with a peanut allergy who's currently, am I right, on the West End? Around the corner. Yeah. We could invite him in. Atticus Finch with a peanut allergy. <laughs> That's a cracking joke. It's true as well. It's so good. <laughs> Another one is that, and we will get to you, sir, or madam, I can't see, but the flatliners bit, zippy, yeah, yeah, that's all good, but it's, is it Jorma's wife that she, he's, it, it's, yeah, yeah. Who's, no, no, who's making out with... Oh, that's, um, that's Schaefer's wife. That's Schaefer's wife, yeah. yeah. So that's... I was like, wow, they really are going to town. <laughs> They're really... That is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, at the back, what, what, what do you got? So those are window gags in the limo where there's more stuff. It's not just a penis or <laughs> some boobs. <It's, laughs> there is loads of stuff in the background. A absolutely tons. I'd forgotten about the shot from the side of the wing of the plane when the helmet goes into the sky. I was like, they must have had a conversation going, it's half a second. Do we do this? 
yeah, we do this. Yeah, we do this. I think they just so it's a bit like Naked Gun in that there's there's the script is funny already. The performances are funny, and then it's like the set dressing's funny. Yeah. The production design's funny. The graphics are funny, and this the music is funny as well. It's like beyond like 4D chess. It's something else. Interdimensional chess. This is uh, true comedy. This generation, our generation, the 21st century Spinal Tap, and I'm not just saying that. This is so like Spinal Tap. And what do they describe the Spinal Tap output as like a, like, was it sh a shit sandwich instead oh, yeah. of shark sandwich? <laughs> um, the parallels are, are, are similar. Anyway, I'm absolutely overboard enthusiastic to talk about the film, but you may not want to start there. Traditionally, on the podcast, well, we all know Ali, we've just spent some minutes with him, but the minutes. listeners may not, may not have listened to episode 10. Tradition dictates, I'm going to ask you a bit of questions about you. Hit me with your bit of questions. Just a bit of questions. Just a bit. Maybe maybe one, maybe two. We'll see how we go. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, you know, you are a prestigious film critic, a <laughs> television presenter, a host, etc., etc., etc. And I think a lot of us probably saw you on the telly on Sunday night at the BAFTAs. Woo! The red carpet host of the BAFTAs Woo! in the room, guys. Be impressed, please. Can I just say, I absolutely love my dad to bits, but he sent me a text this morning going, I saw some of your red carpet work at the BAFTAs, great podcasting. <laughs> Which belies so many misapprehensions. Yeah. I, I just, heart. Big, can I do Heart and then cried. <laughs> just heart. Thanks, Dad. That was great podcasting. Yeah, at the time of recording, it was just the BAFTAs gone. And a really crazy thing happened. A bit if not incredibly crazy, but I was asked to go out on stage and uh, set up a VT, and this wasn't a part of the TV show, thank the Lord, but I walked out and there was Prince William, some lady who did the thing, um, <laughs> another lady who's all of us, it was amazing, <laughs> and I was reading out the auto cue, and I was doing a sort of little bit of improv, because I didn't know this when I was being pushed out onto the stage with, with Vic, my co-host, the wonderful Vic Hope. They did a voice of God and the voice of God, and this is a really braggy anecdote, but the voice of God went, please welcome to the stage, top film critic, Ali Plum. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, whoa, there's been a mistake. And so I'm staring at Guillermo del Toro and they're going, big movie expert, Ali Plum. And I just freaked out. An incredible out of body experience. And there's a photograph someone took of me of me just going, guh, <laughs> guh, uh, But yeah, the BAFTAs were a trip. Um, rubbing uh, my big sausage rubber gloves into Jamie Lee Curtis's face. And I walked up to Vic Hope's interview with Jamie Lee Curtis and I just interview bombed her. I just, I just crashed straight in, shook her by the hand with the big rubbery gloves. And Jamie, who is a proper improv genius, yes anded me and says, well, what you got to do, because in this universe, when they say hello and express affection as they rub each other's faces with, with hands. So I was rubbing a face with these big rubbery sausage fingers. And then she said, I want to say this out loud, you should pick my nose. <laughs> so Jamie Lee Curtis said to me, you should pick my nose. And so I cannot wait to get the call from would I lie to you? And I open up the envelope. I once picked Jamie Lee Curtis's nose. <laughs> Shut. No, I, no, well, where, 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 where was this? I cannot, I cannot wait. Um, it, it, it was a true, incredible experience. And the last thing I want to say, so it's recorded for a prosperity and I never forget, is that who's aware of Super Yaki, the shop Super Yaki? Oh, a fave. We've got some big, 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 big hands going up. And I'm mates with them online. I've loved them for a while. And they do this bumper sticker that says, 
and you'll know this, I'm sure, because you're part of Cool Club. It says, Honk if you'd rather be watching the 1999 cinematic masterpiece The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. And so obviously it's a brilliant bumper sticker, causes a lot of accidents and a few people have died. But <laughs> this is a joke. It's a joke. But it's, it's a really great bit of sort of like winky winky, we all like good movies, fun movies, excellent movies, uh, sort of humour. And for whatever reason, I thought, hang on, I don't think Brendan Fraser's actually seen one of these. Because I, I interviewed him a month previously, or a month prior, and it was him and Darren Aronofsky talking about The Whale. But me, me being me, if you know any of my interviews, I refuse to actually just keep things serious. And I said, um, Brendan, I don't suppose you've seen any of these bumper stickers. And he went, no, I've seen them. I've seen them online. I've seen them online. I was like, okay. So I made a mental note. And then on the red carpet during our interview, I whip out three of them and give them to Brendan. And he is unbelievably, he's like, wow, okay, he's loving it. And then he says, because he's the classiest man on the planet, he says, one good turn deserves another. And then whips out of his pocket, his tuxedo pocket, the tiniest bag of Haribo <laughs> and hands it to me. And I promise you, you've got to see the screen grab. I'm going to make it, I think, my Twitter <laughs> topper. I honestly am beside myself. I'm as beside myself as when Jamie Lee Curtis kissed me on the cheek. I was just, Duh! like I was ascending. The rapture was occurring on my face. And um, off he went. I thought, well, that was a bit fun. Might get picked up by us Brendan Fraser geeks. But then he goes around the red carpet and he's doing the press. He's doing the line. And someone shouts out something along the lines of, do Mummy 4. We love the mummy. He reaches into his tuxedo, flicks it out and reveals the bumper sticker. I've been tagged in this photo. I'm going to say 800 times in the past four days. It has been such a trip. And I think we may get a Mummy 4 because of it. <laughs> and if so, I just want, and this is my classic joke, 1%. That's all I want. And I think, I think I'll think i be fine with that. Yeah, you, you've earned that. I've earned <laughs> it. I've definitely earned it. Yeah, so in short, three braggy anecdotes out of my mouth. It was an incredible experience and I really hope they let me have, let me come back again because I've got more prop comedy <laughs> to inflict upon the great and good of Hollywood. So those rubber gloves got to be used. Can't leave them on, at home on the side. <laughs> they're, not, they're not tax deductible if you don't use them twice. So um, I need another opportunity. Your interviews are always like you're very you're really good at getting like seeing things from people that we don't get to see. You know, you 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 know just how to play it. If it, if the joke is going to land or, you know, if a bit is going to work, it must be quite daunting, though, before you know that. And you're there with a, a prop or you've got a, you know, a bit that you're, you're going to do. And you, you maybe haven't quite worked out if if they're in the mood. What, what goes through your mind there? Do you want to know my secret? <laughs> Go for it. I'm always annoying. No, <laughs> my my secret is this. Editing. You just remove it if it doesn't work. You'll be really surprised how often you just go, well, it didn't work that day, and that's all right. But I think, frankly, confidence goes a long way. And I wasn't always like this. When I first got started, I was super, super, super nervous. But now, not that anyone knows who I am. Don't get me wrong. No one knows who I am. But they have a sort of, oh, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember you, or I might have seen you on a, on a show. I'm not Graham Norton, for the love of God, but people might go, oh, yeah, I remember not hating the last interview we did. And you'd be surprised how much that helps you. Um, but I think confidence and a, and a kind of genuine love of cinema goes such a long way. You would be amazed just how many people are involved in the world of movies, at least in the sort of like public-facing presenter side that actually don't care all that much about a movie like this one. They just go, yeah, Andy Samberg. I don't really care. 
Uh, wasn't he funny? He did a sketch once. Okay, cool. But I genuinely give way too much of my life to re-watching and adoring these movies. And I like to think that comes across. And people know that I actually want to know rather than just, hey, could you talk about who you recently slept with? <laughs> no? Oh, you're offended. Oh. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm never on, I'm never asking those questions. And the other superpower is, is a working for the BBC. Because people do just go, ah, there's a certain amount of class. There's a certain amount of sort of like, you know, professionalism. And I can undercut that brilliantly. <laughs> I can slice that into, I've had one person call me out on it. And it was John Krasinski. And he literally said, the BBC? <laughs> he said, we can all do better than this. <laughs> I know, again, this is an audio podcast, but a shout out to um, Sam Gilby's incredible artwork behind us. I'm wearing the Starboys jumper. We've got three of them doing the donkey roll. It's just hats off. Let's have an audio round of applause for a visual thing. Woo for Sam Gilby. Uh, Sam also did our lovely 90 Minutes of Us logo, so he's very much part of the, part of the family. Uh, it's all about family. It is uh, about family. Why isn't there a Fast and the Furious movie under 90 Minutes? Such a shame. Well, Fast X, we don't know yet. I haven't uh, seen it. Uh, <laughs> we do know. <laughs> Notoriously efficient Vin Diesel <laughs> slaps down an unbloated and non-over-the-top efficient love story that wraps up in 80 minutes. Just make this one a tight 80, guys. <laughs> just a really tidy 80. It's just people having a big family argument and they get together at the end and it's great. You, uh, you have to watch a lot of films for work. Are you, are you still someone who appreciates a, a shorter runtime? Or have you, have you changed since episode 10, Ali Plum? No, I still do. I really do. I, I understand why they're getting longer and longer because we live in a world where trying to convince you fine audience members to not only spend your money but maybe get the babysitter in or... Just a whole evening is a really valuable thing. And the past two or three years have actually reminded me how great being at home is. And we've all upgraded our TVs and maybe we've got surround sound now or maybe we've just bought a soundbar or whatever. Watching TV and movies at home is now really, really good. Like it's really good. And streaming services have fast forwarded incredibly fast. Like on a PS5, you can get pretty much everything you might want. Like a console. It's not just, oh, I need this random stick or whatever. It can all just be there. And that means, hang on, if I only have to wait four months or three months before Wakanda Forever comes to my house, why should I? So I understand why studios are going, okay, well, we now need to make these movies so unbelievably visually, you know, hands in a... You've got to see it because you're not doing it justice. Like Top Gun Maverick, you had to see it. Imagine seeing that film not on the big screen. It would be such a crying shame. I will forgive anyone who watched it on a plane, though, because it is a trip. It is amazing. Um, so, yeah, I understand why studios are going, okay, well, hey, Nolan, make your Oppenheimer movie. Make it three hours long. That requires us to see it. It's sort of bang for buck. It's, it's, I understand it. I also think it is a shame. And then again, movies like this one don't do well. So... Ah, maybe they're cursed. I mean, all of the top highest grossing films are made by James Cameron and, and he doesn't make anything under three hours long. Yeah, and the one that rivals him is also a, a tiny independent picture, Avengers Endgame, which um, whilst it is resolving a massive, massive storyline, isn't short. Um, yeah, yeah. If we, I'd love to know, and maybe you could do the research, maybe you already know, but what is the closest to 90 minutes that's in the top 50? 
It's under 90 minutes, and it's one of the Despicable Me or Minions's. All of them pretty much are 90 or under. It's um, such a shame I didn't pick that. <laughs> such a shame. We had to go with this one. Episode 200. <laughs> yeah, that's it. See you guys in a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. Couple of years. <laughs> um, let's talk about Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping, our feature presentation. <laughs> This film was released originally in 2016, and as Ali mentioned, didn't do very well, sadly. I think it got like, pretty favourable reviews, lots of Lonely Island fans coming out. It follows Hot Off the Heels of Hot Rod, which also sadly didn't do super well. But it's under 90 minutes, and you should go and check it out. It's really good. It has the best falling down a hill sequence <laughs> of any movie, and the only one that can rival it is Hugh Jackman in Swordfish. If you've not seen that recently, it goes on forever. <laughs> But yeah, Hot Rod is incredible. The the explosive street battle that happens out of nowhere. Um, learning about how some people pee. It's just an incredible movie. Oh, I want to watch Hot Rod now. Cool beans. Cool, 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 cool beans. Lonely Island will carry on doing music and sketch work. And, and they released a bunch of albums. It's sort of in between the films. Uh, but Popstar's their second uh, film, second feature film, and uh, and yeah, I, I, I missed this one at the cinema, and oh. I just don't think the studio was really promoting it by the time it got to the UK because that, the US release it. I think they just totally backed out. They totally backed out. I saw some posters in cinemas themselves, but otherwise, it just wasn't promoted. They didn't come over to do any promotion. They thought, well, if it isn't playing well in the US, what are we going to do? So yeah, they just fired out. It it was such a disappointment in that way. For a movie that features such names as, and I'm going to list them because there are some great lists in this film, Ringo Starr, Mariah Carey, twice, ASAP Rocky, Questlove, Carrie Underwood, Usher, Pink, Michael Bolton, Seal, Snoop Dogg, DJ Khaled, another one, Arcade Fire, Danger Mouse, Pharrell Williams, Simon Cowell, 50 Cent, Adam Levine, in a hologram, very expensive, Mario Lopez, Big Boy, Akon, Linkin Park, Jimmy Fallon, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is in this movie. <laughs> Emma Stone. Can anyone remember her name? Claudia Cantrell. Well done. Five points to Gryffindor. Fantastic. Will Forte, Sarah Silverman, Tim Meadows, the immortal Tim Meadows, who's no stranger to a mock doc about music. Uh, Maya Rudolph. I love the joke, Deborah. I think it's from Deborah. Um, Paul Shear, Bill Hader, Will Arnett, Chelsea Peretti, Eric Andre, Danny Strong, and in an unbelievably unrecognizable role, can you guess who I'm about to say? Weird Al Yankovic. He's Hammerleg. Can't see the hair, terrible beard goatee. How is. What the. <laughs> why? What are we. You get Weird Al in your movie, which is. A, a, a series of massive kind of spoofy pop songs aping Justin Bieber and and Katy Perry's documentary and then you stick Weird Al in it and you don't even have his hair. It's unbelievable. But yes, of course, Justin Timberlake playing Tyrus Quash, the quietest chopper of vegetables in the world. Oh my, when he comes out, I honestly have a spiritual moment every time I watch it. When he comes out and starts on the guitar, I, my heart soars. I'm, I'm genuinely having a religious experience. I feel a better person. I feel like I'm one with mankind. Michael Bolton. Oh, my God. If I had a car, I would listen to his work with The Lonely Island on the way home right now, and I would just drive for as long as I could. Unbelievably great song at the end. And I think the secret to this movie 
as is the case with a lot of sort of musical, musical or music infused comedy films, is that the songs are bangers. They're all absolute bangers. And I, and I thought I had watching is I don't believe that Conquest wouldn't have done well because these songs are, are fire. They're incredible. Mona Lisa. Oh, what are you talking about? That's Insta purchase. Like I'm, my fingers are constantly trying to buy that track. Um, maybe Bin Laden. Maybe not so much. But the songs are outrageous. They're absolutely brilliant. And it's, and it's a triple bill. The, the talent is spread throughout. It's uh, obviously aping the Star Boys themselves, but all three of them deserve so much credit. They are unbelievably talented, incredibly generous human beings. And since then, we've seen the likes of um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. If you've not seen that movie, that's a definite sort of like spiritual successor to this one. I never thought I'd ever say that. <laughs> but please, if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney+. Plus. It had a little moment about this time last year, but Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is so pop star just about Chip and Dale. Yeah, the songs are brilliant. The cameos are brilliant. But the, 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 there are hidden jokes like, um, I'm a nerd for ass, <laughs> which is such a good joke. And they, they had the sense to not say it out loud. They go, they go no, this is great. You know, the broken glasses with sticky tape over that. Oh, it's so good. Um, and they said, part of the pitch was to Judd Apatow, who also produced this and deserves a lot of the credit too. He's the one who got Ringo Starr on the phone. Him, he could pick up the phone and make it happen. They were doing a, I believe the story goes, a photo shoot, and it was Judd Apatow with all his comedy friends, all his comedy pals, and I'm sure they were all walking around with long shoes and big, you know, squirty flowers. <laughs> and he, he essentially said, if Lonely Island crew ever want to make a movie, I'm there and I'm doing it. I'll produce it. It's happening. And then next day, they call him up and said, we got two ideas, and this is one of them. And he went, let's go. So Judd, thank you, Judd. Thank you, all of you, for this bizarre instant and i hate saying this phrase instant cult classic like of all the times you could ever use that phrase this is warranted absolutely i mean he got ringo star to say doink de doink doink de doink <laughs> doink i'm warning you with peace and love uh, doink de doink i just love how game everybody is like they've got so many great cameos but they're they're not just like sort of you know saying their usual shtick or like it's a regular interview like they're in it they, yeah. they know the jokes and like DJ Khaled's performance in this is so good. And it's such a uniquely 2016 moment where he's taking the mick out of his own meme. So it's a bit like rewatching The Naked Gun and you go, is that a reference to Jar Jar Gabor, like slapping someone? Okay, well, that was a thing at the time. We are going to forget some of the stuff that they're referencing now, which is rather bizarre. We are going to forget that you 2 their album Songs of Innocence, arrived on our phones. And that's what Aquaspin is all about. That, that's that's a, a joke about that. But this, this film is so funny. You don't even need to remember it. And I've got a list. And I've got so many lists. But here are other examples of when pop bands sold out horribly, right? Who else remembers JLS on the condoms? <laughs> One. <laughs> so there were four different, still in my wallet, four different types of Durex. And they all had their different faces on them. Sex Pistol John Lydon sold Country Life Butter. Well done, we got a butter shout out. But he wasn't the only one, that's right. There's another butter seller. Any guesses? Ozzy Osbourne did I Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Just they all sell out, don't they? Um, Kim Kardashian wants an advert for Charmin, not a joke. Um, Snoop Dogg, who obviously has got a great documentary right now that I will not say out loud. Surprise! Um, <laughs> has obviously sold Just Eat and done loads of other stuff. 
But even at the time, it was a bit like, ah, people don't really do it. But they do. They really do. I love, I, you know, we're in, a, we're, in a, we're in a stage, I was about to say, we're in a cinema that's sponsored by a brand. And I wish for tonight it said Aquaspin. <laughs> oh, oh, missed a trick. Missed a, missed a <laughs> trick. Missed a trick. Or maybe Jeep. Get the, get the time with Jeep. <laughs> it just, just didn't really connect with it because I have different things in my Jeep. <laughs> Swallow. <laughs> I've got it all and I'm getting a but I'm never falling alone because I'm wrong so hard. Definition of a rock star. I don't complain when my private jet is subpar. Your mom's old, but I'll ask if she's your sister. People say I'm charming, but but I beg to differ. And I think we need to highlight the Justin Bieber comparisons here, because obviously, "Never Stop, Never Stopping" is like seven, "Never Say Never," right? Obviously, that's kind of a, a kind of a clear one. But we we live in a world where Justin Bieber appears visually in this movie, which means that Justin Bieber and Connor Farrell exist in the same universe which is mind-blowing justin bieber had a pet monkey and we have a maximus the the tortoise the turtle here so that's that's another comparison are there any others that i've not spotted and oh, frank's oh. house oh. <laughs> if she'd been alive today <laughs> she'd have been a believer yeah that's <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I also wish the poppies were a real thing. I just wish there's the, the sort of self-aware nonsense poppies. And Taylor Swift not being there because she, <laughs> because she murdered someone. She's, not been arre- she's been arrested for murder is too funny. It's too funny an idea. And it will get really twisted when she does get caught. <laughs> when the world catches up with her. Swifties, that's a joke. I love her. She's mm. great. That's a joke that's got funnier just as her star has risen so much more in the last like six years or whatever. Though. Oh, <laughs> it's not Justin Bieber, but who was it that got dunked on? Oh, it was Kanye. He got dunked on by Obama, who called him a jerk ass for what he did with Taylor Swift. Again, there will be a time when we forget that and we'll watch this movie and go, oh, yeah, that's mad. So I love the real life comparisons. I think it's a who are they taking the mick out of with? Incredible thoughts. Uh, Magnets are real song. That is based on an insane clown posse song called Miracles. And there was another, and the uh, the Equal Rights song is based on, does anyone else know this? Macmore. How did that happen? (laughs) How did that happen? They obviously have this really genuine love of pop culture and of pop music. And obviously that's throughout all of their sketches, particularly their sort of music sketches on Saturday Night Live. But it wouldn't work if you didn't love it. If they didn't love pop music, this just wouldn't work. No, and they're up to date with it, and they're they're part of it. You know, so there's so many current pop stars who are into what they're doing. You know, it's it's uh, it, people wouldn't do it if they didn't respect what they do. And and by this point, you know, they were like ten years into their career, like huge yeah. people, really really big, and they could attract such names as James Buckley of the Inbetweeners <laughs> to play one of the best character names ever. Does anybody else catch it? Sponge, <laughs> sponge, 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 which sounds like you're sponging off someone, so it works great. And they, they go, how should we make him look? That's right, Jared Leto with a <laughs> So good. And the, uh, eating the pancakes. <laughs> I think this room laughed more at the other girl that doesn't have a name continuing to eat the pancakes <laughs> than any other time I've seen it. 
I forgot about the pancakes. And I was kicking myself that we didn't show this on Pancake Day a couple oh. of days ago. A couple of days ago. Speaking of Pancake Day, what day is it today? 23rd. So this is a Thursday, right? Yes. So yesterday we could have done it on Ashley Wednesday. <laughs> and this is a movie that goes, right, we've got a lot of jokes. Pop culture, Gigi Khalid, Ringo Starr, the poppies, fine. Woodworking, weed. Um, let's stick in an Ash Wednesday joke. Let's keep those Lent lovers happy. <laughs> they buy the big tickets. Bums on seats. Uh, as well as all of the, you know, there's like lots of satire and, and you know, some quite out there comedy. It, this film is full of heart. And I think that's the other thing that runs through what Lonely Islands do. They really admire each other and they respect each other so much. And this film, whilst, you know, there's a bunch of F-bombs and some edgy humor. Oh, yeah. It's super sweet. And I just love these guys. I, the dorky... Um... Beastie Boy stuff at the beginning is great. Yo, I just ate a taco. Like, there's loads of really, really good stuff. And at the end, I am so caught up in wanting to be their best friends that you, it really feels real. And again, it's only 19 minutes long. They know they can do it. And they said when they pitched to Judd Apatow, we want this to be like Spinal Tap. If we've gone over 90 minutes, we have failed. There were loads of extended scenes, loads of deleted scenes on that special steelbook, trust me. And it's a shame that they had to be removed, particularly when they're songs. You can be so married to the lyrics, to the beat, to this grand thing. And you can sneak some in at the credits, like that sort of like Rasta, gangster, you know, Rastafarian thing at the end, which is just bananas. <laughs> uh, but you have to, you know, kill your darlings. And they did it. They, they, they decided what needed to stay. Bin Laden. And um, decided what didn't need to stay. And they got it to 88, didn't they? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the nice thing about this, maybe it's a bit of a cheat, but you know, the album has the full songs on. Yeah. So there's like 50 minutes of sort of additional content in audible form. Um, but I, you know, I, I love that. And actually, when you listen to the, the albums a lot and then you watch the film, you're like, no, dude, the, they didn't do the second they verse. Didn't do the second ah. verse, yeah. <laughs> you don't like that. Um, yeah, and just like stupid stuff, like Tyrus Quash is a name. You know, it's just goofy nonsense. It's just ridiculous. It's like the name of the club is Club. I want to say it. Club. F yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so funny. I can't believe it. Um, yeah. When did you first watch it? How did it eventually come to you? I think we love me and my wife, uh, producer Louise, judging the horses right now. Um, we um, we we love the Lonely Island sketches. So yeah. we 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 watched all of the SNL digital shorts. You know, we're walking around the house singing "Dick in a Box" and all that stuff, as you do. Oh, that is a coincidence. <laughs> oh, I see. Because of the sketch, right? Now. <laughs> and uh, and but we were kind of late to the movies. I think just because they they weren't promoted, you know, so much. So we saw Hot Rod for the first time at home, and we saw. This for the first time at home. I think we waited for it to come onto Netflix or something. And I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah, I remember when Hot Rod hit Netflix and I said, it's worth it just for the freeze frame at the end. It is worth it for that freeze frame. And if you don't remember, it's Ian McShane being kicked in the nuts and then his, his stepson, am I remembering correctly, punching the air. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> My God, it's so good. I like that they have the guy who punches Connor for real in the nuts in this. <laughs> to carry on the... <laughs> to ground him. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, but yeah, but I also love how they are really good actors. Like, they're great. They can sell a joke. They can sing. I mean, they're too talented. Um, it's they a thing. They can dance. But they, they can really sell the drama. And that scene, the reconciliation scene, um, when they go out to Lawrence's farm mm -hmm. and Andy Sandberg's amazing sort of monologue of realizing <laughs> how bad a friend he is. It could so easily be done badly and i'm not trying to throw shade at anyone in particular at snl but you could pick a random snl player and they would have just almost done it 
And maybe it's good editing, and maybe it's good directing, maybe it's all of the above, but I agree that's an example of not many people can get away with that sort of rolling shaggy dog story comes back, and then when the hug lands, it feels right. They never throw away the emotion. They never just go, well, actually, it's just a big laugh, isn't it? Whoops, whoop. Uh, then Yorma does Parent Trap. <laughs> so good. So perfectly <laughs> undercut. I also love any movie that just owns the fact that it goes, ah, it's a classic story. <laughs> Two redhead girls. <laughs> Nothing but respect for Nancy also, Myers. How did he? how did he catch it? How did he catch it? He's on his laptop. He didn't catch that. You played it. You pressed play on that. <laughs> he you went to the Apple Store. Put his the... credit card details in. I was watching a, a, a live stream of ITV. Um, and uh, oh, oh, look who it is. Oh. <laughs> I just want to list out the name of the drugs, the um, the strains of weed. Because it's oh, a good joke. It's yeah. a good joke. And uh, I was joking with um, the guys earlier that you are lucky you didn't have to draw a small jar of frog juice. Um, they are <clears throat> Witch's Titty, Aquabutt, Beethoven's Nightmare, Postpartum Depression. <laughs> it's very everything is awesome, right? And I think we need to shout out some of the stuff that they did on other movies. They have obviously appeared on other movies. But Everything is Awesome and also the underappreciated song at the end of uh, the Lego movie, the second part, is great list gags. And they seem to find a, a way of taking the hardest form of joke. So often like a list gag is really like, okay, we get it. But Patrick Stewart money. <laughs> <sighs> Take the day off. No matter how early in the day you came up with it. If it's 10 a.m., leave the room. You're done. You're done. You're done. We made a new song at the farm. We found Lawrence's journals, and they were just amazing. Amazing, just full of incredible thoughts. Just like ideas and poems and stuff, nothing special. Yo, and then Connor had the idea to take a piano line for my solo shit. Connor put it all together. And the poppies paired us with the craziest special guest to perform with. Incredible thoughts, incredible mind. I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering how how do you rank uh, pop star to Lonely Island's other work? You know, where does this sit for you? What compared to like sketch stuff? Like sketch stuff, the songs, uh, the movies. I guess Chippendale counts. They produced it, and, and I think and anything that any of them have sort of touched with their beautiful talent. <laughs> Obviously, as a film, it's it's better than Hot Rod. I'd say quite casually. I think it works much better. It's more accomplished. It's slicker. The production values are higher. It did have a bigger budget. Um, I think as a storyline, it's it's less of what I was saying earlier, the sort of, ah, whatever, who cares, you know, throw it down the hill. It's more than that. I think it's so easy to watch a show that is, in essence, a series of sketches and illusions and think, I'm just going to watch them as individual chunks and say, that's all I need. Now, I think Bo Burnham's Inside is a masterpiece, and I'm sure everyone else does. But there are moments when I go, I can't handle the whole thing. I don't think I can sit down and watch the whole thing. But I also find myself really wanting to watch, you know, the internet song and, and, and all that stuff. A little bit of everything. You know, I, I think this has the perfect package. And that is in part its runtime, run but in part because it, it's obviously so beloved. They obviously adore it. And I felt so sad for them. They've talked about it since where they were doing press for it and they were having a great time. Oh, I'm a Jimmy Fallon and I was selling it. And then they just went around cities and went, we're not really getting anything back here. And it just didn't connect. And maybe this is a movie that these days would have 
done great guns if they'd announced it on Peacock in the US or they'd un unleashed it on Apple TV Plus or they put it onto Netflix. It would have been like, hey, we've got the new Lonely Island thing. It's like Bash Bros. Here we go. People would have gone, have you seen it? It's incredible. But getting people into, shout out to Bash Bros, mm -hmm. getting people into cinemas to see it just didn't, it didn't happen. Can I ask who here saw it in its first run in the UK? Okay, well, I'm really proud of you, uh, either for being the, the day it came out the day it came out here, also wearing the Starboy shirt. So we, I've got, I've got, I'm going to say casually about 10, maybe about 10. Either you're lying, fair play. <laughs> but it, it's a bit like Connor going, I know you didn't buy my album. <laughs> I just really felt for them because boy, does this reek of passion and love. And it's just years and years of work as well. In a streaming world, I think it would have just flown, I think. And it has now. I think you'd agree. A lot of people here, I'm sure, found it when it did hit streaming services in the UK and their friends were like, yeah, you got to go watch it. It just didn't have the right time. No, it's a, I mean, word of mouth is always like, I think the best way to recommend something from someone you trust. And this is such a good word of mouth movie, like you were saying, you know, during lockdown. Um, it just, you know, needed a few years of promotion. That was all it needed. <laughs> <laughs> just a casual bit of years of promotion. Um, I think it just needed some of the cast members to run around city centers and shout, if you don't watch this movie, I will eat your head. <laughs> Just don't give them carrot, give them stick. And, that, and that's, that's why the Transformers did so well. It's one of my favorite lines. I will eat your head. I will eat <laughs> and him, him. I love it when he comes back to the group going. <laughs> yeah, I wanted some respect. Um, yeah, and, and that final bit with the fish is outrageous. And I think the dancers, them coming in and then the idea that they would have Done it that afternoon is total garbage, but they still pull it off. I want to watch the movie again now, actually. I mean, there's no films in the screen after. You could oh. just stay. Just stay. I'm sure the cinema won't mind at all. <laughs> I think maybe we'll go for Hot Rod. That's, um, that's what the guys really want. Have you got a favorite scene? If you had to clip one scene to take to your, your desert island with you. I should have seen this coming. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for... Hmm. I'm going to go for realizing or not realizing that Hunter had tricked him. And you get the Eddie Izzard's joke of, did I do it or didn't I? Or did I? Or didn't I? Or did I? Or didn't I? But it also features the line, that's a third of the way to Mars. <laughs> and, the, and the 30 seconds to Mars joke is enough for a scene. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we've seen many sort of Judd Apatow type movies where that is, enough for eight minutes of really ropey improv. And that's one line in amongst 20 others. Unbelievably good. The blackout idea with the aqua spin, people throwing toasters at the ground. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say that yeah, as an individual like dialogue scene, that's a really tight one. Um, that's funny. I would say also as a sort of standalone bit, Connor reading his reviews. <laughs> and him going, I got a negative review. Yeah. They didn't like it. No, in the number is minus four. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it being an onion review, and he doesn't realize mixed, mixed. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we say mixed? So it's stuff like that I really like when you when you kind of have a, an enclosed. The wit is in the words rather than necessarily being choppy and choppy and choppy. Um, I always feel really, really bad when he tumbles down the stairs and hurts his neck wearing the <laughs> helmet. Oh, really bad. But as an individual song, Humble's My Guy. Humble's My Guy kind of 
reading the room here, is there a particular song that can do better than Humble? Would anyone say? You okay. think Mona Lisa? We've got one vote for Mona Lisa in the back. So Equal Rights, Equal Rights is a banger. It is really a good tune. Nunchucks. <laughs> really, really good. And now I've watched it for the fifth time on the big screen. I said it already. I'll say it again. I really feel for the lady whose legs were being shaken by Connor. Because he, he finds a joke even there. He's like badly pretending to have <laughs> sex. It's like, uh, uh, like two of those sort of nope style, you know, air floaty yeah. things outside a car showroom or whatever. But the cutting of that, Pink's face, she is so good at delivering. Even in the recording of this fictional music video, she's going, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and the two guys getting married are like, what is going on? <laughs> it's so tonally, perfectly observed. I would say that that Equal Rights song feels most like an SNL sketch in that way. A lot of the rest of the stuff does stay true to Connor's ridiculousness, but that does allow itself to go, huh? This is mad. Why would you put that out as a digital short? And that oh, would be absolutely fine. Completely. <laughs> and it would be no small surprise that the money that they'd make from putting that on YouTube would be more than they made for the movie and cinemas. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. You're a guy who interviews people for a job. Have you ever been in the same room as the Lonely Island? Have you got to interview these guys before? I've never interviewed them face-to-face. -face. It's not happened. I desperately tried to interview people for Chippendale, even over Zoom. But once upon a time, when Palm Springs came out, and I'm glad this has come up because I think Palm Springs is the other one that has the sort of emotional power, even more so than this. It's less funny but I think it's obviously far superior emotionally and in terms of like telling a story of, of humans interacting in a real manner, but in a heightened world. But if you've not seen Palm Springs, have we all seen Palm Springs, more or less? Yeah, loads of nods, a couple of whoops. Um, you could say a knockoff of uh, Groundhog Day, but I think it is enough of its own thing. And I think that would be, to go back to your previous question, one I'd include in the, ah, oh, well, it's not a lonely island joint, but they kind of took that script that was written by somebody else and kind of, Sandberg did and Lonely Island did it for sure. I think in particular, I'm thinking of when the cake explodes, this sort of like rocket in a cake. There's a sort of an element of, well, this is purely them being absolutely nuts. Um, your question was, have I ever interviewed them? Well, I interviewed Andy for that over Zoom and he was in a terribly lit, awfully recorded bad audio and I got about 20 maybe 19 minutes with him and it's what we call a story so far I do these three things for for the BBC for iPlayer and it could be a movies that made me which is you're a genius you're a hero you're Robert De Niro let's have all of this didn't mean it to rhyme all of this let's talk about your whole career you're incredible um you're a genius my brain is a genius and then I have a story so far which is sort of you haven't had such a long career let's let's do you and then I do a becoming which is my more regular bread and butter I suppose where it might be Pedro Pascal who I met today <gasps> he's very fit <laughs> he's very fit and very charming so helmet off or on helmet was off oh, okay <laughs> and he was wearing no joke an incredibly similar jacket to you you're wearing a gorgeous glittery sequin round of applause for this jacket um but in silver so you're number one. You're number one. Um, yeah, he was, he was distracting me. <laughs> what was your question? So I, I spoke to him and I did the story so far. And I basically wanted it as an excuse to talk about Hot Rod and 
I was about to say Star Boys, pop star never stop never stopping. And he was really generous. And I think he was thrilled that I was into it as much as I am. And I was wearing the t-shirt I'm wearing today yeah. under my shirt. And it was all I could do not to just go, okay. <laughs> Which has happened before when I was talking to Jeff Bridges for the second Kingsman movie. Yes, there was a second one. <laughs> and um, he noticed the t- sort of uh, kind of top of my t-shirt. And uh, anyway, I managed to kind of bring it up and he went, wow man whoa look at that man and uh yeah i was wearing a big lebowski t-shirt in front of him because i'm that awful man (laughs) but yes long story short yes i have spoken to him but only over zoom then kind of you get that breakout moment you get a phone call from claudia cantrell the one and only and she asked you for a verse man on her song turn up the beef turn up the beef But you take that moment and instead of just like kicking a regular verse, you know what I'm saying? You did something a little different. The catchphrase verse as it's now known. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hello. Um, I had been working on a catchphrase, Mm -hmm. but what had happened was I just thought of so many dope ones that I was like, what if I put them all into the verse? It's kind of bitch. Say word. Deal bird. Doink to doink. Sorry, dad. Squirrel jam. Yeah, he said so many words I didn't know. That was a game changing moment. Did anybody else forget at the end of the movie that it finishes with him being attacked by a stray wolf? I didn't know what that was. When I was watching, I was like, what was that? But only on the big screen, you're like, oh, I get it. There's only, that's the big screen experience. (laughs) It's only um, a wolf. But of course, but they found another room, more room for another joke. And I think that's what I love. And that's what makes me think of Spinal Tap and just go, oh, there's another, there's more room. There's more room. I love that stuff. It reminds me a little bit of the way Lord and Miller write sort of the 21 Jump Streets and um, yeah, Lego movie again, obviously. But it's that constant layering of humor that rewards repeated viewings. And the other person that we're all thinking of is Edgar Wright. And it's that sort of, and again, and again, and again, little pocket characters like Zippy who live for their one scene, but you know who they are. I'm not trying to overanalyze or overpray this movie too late, but I think the fact that you know that Zippy character, you know that sort of roadie thing, it's it's really, really well put together. And I think partly it is because it is pared down to the bone. What's funny? Let's do that. Mm. Tight. I think it's like whittling, isn't it? Like on the, there is it on the Blu-ray. There are loads of deleted scenes, or like longer versions of scenes, like the, the weed scene. They go through more jars of weed, and they go into the frog jizz jar. But we 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 saw just enough for it to be funny, and they're just like constantly honing it. Like this could be tighter, this could be tighter, and we benefit from that. We yeah. get this nice, handy, you know, easy to carry around with you, eighty-eight minute long movie. <laughs> they often say, you know, classic phrases: "You don't work with children or animals," and the other one is, "You don't release a movie; you just sort of." unleash it you just you know it's called releasing because you just run out of time mm. it's not because it's finished you're just releasing it and enjoy and unless you're a certain sort of level of director and gets to tinker on it and remove the guns and makes them walkie talkies you can't you can't go back really scott style and have the ultimate mega redux of whatever film this movie feels like it was really 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 polished and massaged by the people making it so yeah sort of brings us to the end of the show although we do like to end the podcast uh with uh, a few sort of set questions one is would you ever like to show this film in in, in a cinema and if so where we kind of done that though 
definitely would, <laughs> definitely will. If I got to have like sort of a second stag do, I'd make this a kind of focus point around it. Um, it's outrageously funny. And I think this is a movie that can be re-enjoyed under different sets of circumstances. So I, I would like to have a go at that. Uh, I would love maybe maybe like I mean, it'd be amazing to get Lonely Island, but wouldn't it be great to get one of the cameos maybe to come down and, and do an intro or, or have a bit of a chat? Ringo Starr saying, <laughs> "Did doink, did doink." <laughs> that would be just incredible. But finally, if your refrigerator could play one song, what song would you choose it to play? It's amazing that this has been one of your go-to questions for the whole hundred episode run. <laughs> when you asked me it for the Naked Gun, I went, "God, this guy's a genius." This guy's brain is a genius. Um, do I say humble again? <laughs> do I say humble or do I take this opportunity to do a quick shout out for another one? <sighs> no, I, I honestly, I'm honestly offended by Bin Laden. Of, of, the, of everything in this movie, I still go, oh, no, guys. It's still a no. <laughs> but when, it, <laughs> when he does the lyric of, Go, go. So good. <laughs> so good. Um, I'm going to stick with Humble, although Incredible Thoughts is also up there. That would be a bit of Michael Bolton in the morning, grabbing your milk. Yeah, and the other one is Jack Sparrow, which isn't in it. But once you finish the movie, and you will do this, you will press play on Jack Sparrow on the way home. You will. You will. Uh, an absolute banger and an absolute banger of a film. And thank you, Ali, so much for being our special guest for our 100th episode. <laughs> it's been my pleasure talking about myself and this movie so thank you bye my brain is a genius And there we go, episode 100 over and out. A big thank you to our podcast producer and editor, Louise Owen, and the third member of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest family, Luke Smith, our sound mixer and additional editor. Uh, couldn't have made these shows without you guys. It's been a journey. Thank you so much. Uh, also, a big thank you to the team at Picturehouse Central, especially Chris in Projection and the Fab Events team uh, for making the live show happen. I've been Sam Clements. This was the 90 Minutes or Less Film Fest. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. That's a wrap. We're a proud member of the Stripped Media Network.